<laughs> All righty, that's enough greeting. So I, I got so excited about ice cream and offering that I forgot to remind everybody about the Connect card. So please fill out a Connect card this morning. You can find them in the seat pockets in front of you, or you can do this online at your convenience, what, whatever way you prefer, but it helps us understand um, how we can be praying for you and kind of what's going on in your life. So please fill one of those out. All right, so we're kicking off a, a new four-week series. I think it's four weeks, might be three. Um, why do we do some of the things we do as a church? The topic we're going to take a look at today is, why do we worship? So when Pat talked to me about this, I thought, well, I'm not sure how I talk about that for very long. It seems like a really straightforward question. But I think we're going to find that it's a little bit more complex and maybe more meaningful than it looks to be on the surface. So I'm going to pray for us all, and we'll get going. We're going to do this uh, maybe a little bit different, although I think we've done something similar in the past. But I'm going, to, I'm going to pray for us. But at the end of that prayer, I'd like us to spend a minute in silence. During that time, I would ask each of you to just slow down and prepare yourself for what God has for you this morning. Personally invite God to fill you with the Holy Spirit and open your hearts and your minds to what he has specifically for you this morning. If you're comfortable doing so, you might want to you might want to put your hands in more of a receiving posture as you as you pray at that time so let me pray for all of us and then we'll spend like i said maybe 30 seconds to a minute in silence so father we invite you here this morning and ask that you would be at work in this place we submit this time to you and ask that your will be done as we explore what it means to worship you in jesus name amen just let that soak. Let that petition to God just kind of soak in us as we ask that he would be with us and fill us with his spirit. Speak directly to us and, and Lord we know, we're, we know you're here and we're just so grateful. All right. Well thank you. Thank you for doing that. That was probably an awkward 20 seconds but thanks. So let me, let me start by asking this. Why do we worship? Or more personally, why do you worship? Several months ago, we shared some videos from our Vineyard family answering a very similar question, which was, what does worship mean to me? So I'd like to start by taking a look at some of the snippets from those videos and see if there are any themes in them that might give us some insight as to why we worship. So let's take a look. Purposes. What worship means to me is just a way to be closer with God. Um, I think it's um, like an easier way for me to connect with him than anything else, and I just really enjoy. What does worship mean to me is I really enjoy spending time with God. I really just like hanging out with him. So um, 
and worship can, can get me there. So that can mean uh, gratitude, that can mean spending time in silence, that can mean spending time with music. Um, I just really like uh, hanging out with him. So, you know, it could be time in scripture or whatever. Worship to me is just letting go. Um, letting go of work, letting go of school, um, letting go of to-do lists, um, just focusing attention towards God. I think of worship as in all creation worships God naturally, and so I, I think about it from the perspective of we're, we're having fun, we're being who we are, but we're also in the presence of the Creator. And worship to me means worship in the classic sense of worship with music. Um, I don't think that I ever would have connected to God's heart and his love for me without singing praises. What worship means to me is um, when I'm talking about music, I love music, but it helps me move out of my head and into my heart whenever I'm yielding my will to God. Worship to me is something that I feel the Lord softening my heart and the word, so the words can get into it. Sorry for springing that on those that were in the videos, but uh, <laughs> I, I think we probably have the rights to use them as much as we want. Maybe. I, I know. So some of the themes we heard, though, as we were listening to those videos was getting closer to God, spending time with God, connecting to God, making space for and submitting to God, yielding to God and just being in his presence. I think we might be onto something in these videos but why don't we take a look at what God has to say about why do we worship? Did he give us any guidance or any expectations? Well, it turns out he actually has quite a bit to say about it. It even made his top 10 list. In the beginning of Exodus, we see God's chosen people, the Israelites. They've been enslaved for 400 years and they're crying out to God for his help. The story continues with God calling for the release of his people. In Exodus 7, we see God speaking to Moses and telling him what to say to Pharaoh as he confronts Pharaoh about the release of, of the Hebrews. So in Exodus 7, 7.16, we see, we see a little bit of a clue of what God's looking for here. Ready? So it says, then say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has sent me to say to you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. We see this phrase repeated six places in Exodus where God calls, let my people go so that they may worship me. Now, the Hebrew word that's being used here refers to an act of service. It refers to doing work. God is expecting us to be active in this, that we are doing something. God is calling his people into serving, but in a much different way than they had been serving as, as slaves for those 400 years. This is a pretty strong hint that God is looking for a partnership with his chosen people. God isn't interested in service from them in the same way that they had spent the last several hundred years enslaved. But it does seem to indicate that he's looking for an active relationship where his people play a key role. God is looking for partners and he's called us into that through worship. As Exodus continues, God frees his chosen people so that he can continue to work with them and fulfill the promises made to Abraham. Isaac, and Jacob, to make nation, many nations from them. God had shown them that how in trusting him, he would provide and care for them. He was calling them to be a kingdom of priests to all nations, 
so that others would see how they lived, how they were set apart, and be brought to God themselves. We can see the vision that God has for them in Exodus 19, 19.5, and part of 6. Let's take a look at that. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Pat spoke a few weeks ago about the role that God saw for this kingdom of priests, how they were to be God's representatives, and through their actions show all the other nations what God was truly like. Now we're really starting to get a clear picture that God is looking for partners, and he's called us into that through worship. So shortly after being freed from slavery, as God continues to show the Israelites what kind of God he truly is, the Israelites experience him directly. They experience God in both his acts to care for them, providing bread from the sky, water from a rock, providing protection against attack, as well as firsthand experience actually seeing God's presence on Mount Sinai as God came to meet with Moses. The Bible describes this presence as a dense cloud over the mountain. As God was preparing his people for the partnership that he had called them into to be priests to all nations, God provides Moses with the Ten Commandments and many other guidelines for the Israelites to follow to allow them to live in harmony with God and with others. The Israelites could see God's presence as Moses was getting direction from God. They were right next to this mountain. They knew what Moses was up there doing. They could see the presence of God in this cloud. And, and so as Moses was up there getting direction from God, the covenant inscribed on tablets, directions for the ark to hold the, the tablets of the covenant, as well as plans for the tabernacle, um, they, they could see what was going on, but they became impatient. They became impatient waiting for Moses to come back and, and in their impatience, they had Aaron build a golden calf. Once the calf was built, or, or Aaron had crafted this calf, they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt, as they were worshiping the calf. Before Moses could even finish getting direction from God, in plain sight of the Israelites, they became impatient and began creating false gods, breaking the first two commandments before they were even done being printed. Not exactly the kind of worship or partnership that God was looking for from Israel. God had clearly called them into partnership with him, a partnership centered on worship and service, living in God's presence and being an example to all nations. Think about that for a minute. The Israelites had seen firsthand his miracles. They had seen how he had freed them and cared for them. They had seen firsthand his, his presence. They were right next to him on this mountain yet they became distracted by the false narratives and idols around them. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. But I would ask, are we really all that different from the, those freed slaves over 3,000 years ago? As we saw in Exodus, God wanted to free his chosen people from slavery so that they could serve him, so they, they could get back to a relationship where they could dwell in his presence and be in his shalom, in complete harmony with God. Through worship, can we have that same harmony? Is God trying to free us from our own slavery? Let me tell you a little bit about my journey to worship and to God. So I grew up active in the church, and I was part of a youth group where I was able to find my first sense of community in Christ. It's a pretty good story so far, right? 
But as I got older, I felt something was missing. I didn't understand how to have a relationship with God or what it meant to worship God. I was confirmed and I knew the basics, but I had no idea how to apply them or what they meant practically in my life. Worship was something that happened on Sundays. It was a weekly event. I was at best a consumer with little to no practical knowledge of how to live with Christ as a key part of my life. As a result, I spent a good part of my life, let's just say I can really relate to wandering the desert for 40 years, not needing God or the church. It's not that I didn't believe in God, but I had him in more of a standby mode. I had him in more of a standby mode in case of emergency. I felt everything depended on me. I looked for ways to show the world that I was successful, that I could do this. I needed to have all the answers. I needed to have a good job, accomplishments, promotions. I needed recognition for my worth. I judged success by things, a nice house, cars, a boat, the latest technology. And, and it's not that things are bad in themselves. It's where you position them in your life and where you position them against, against how God cares for you. So on the surface, you, you might think that I too was worshiping idols, but I think it was worse than that. I think I was actually worshiping myself, and that's a pretty tough pill to swallow. Was I enslaved to this world? You bet I was. Maybe the biggest difference between myself and the Israelites at this point is I wasn't crying out for God to help me. As I got older, a couple of things happened. First, I matured and realized that my view of success and of myself was a very narrow and short-term view of things. Nobody was likely to talk about what a great nerd I was or how shiny my boat was at my funeral. As a result, as a result, I realized I had a major gap in my life, and that gap was my relationship with God, or lack thereof. This had always seemed to be such a mystery to me, and it felt as though so many others had it figured out. Was I not a good enough Christian to know the secret to this relationship? Was I doing something wrong? Was I just not a good enough person for God to even want a relationship with me? Or was it my own willingness to be enslaved to this broken world and all of its false claims and promises, driving division between myself and God? I think you know the answer. In Romans, Paul writes about the transformation that we have gone through, how we were slaves to sin, but that through Christ and the resurrection, we are freed from the power of sin. Let me read from Romans 6, 6. For we know now that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. We can see golden calves everywhere the empty promises of this world. It feels that society thrives on selling us golden calves. There's a fear that we're missing out on, on something that, that somebody else has or that somebody else has it all figured out and maybe we just need to emulate them or worship them. Think about the golden calves in your life. Some might include things like ourselves, our identity. Think about the social media presence that we all have or or our jobs, or status, money, material possessions. Who we worship or look to emulate. Think about celebrities, athletes, social media influencers seem to be a big thing. 
or those around us that just seem to have it all together, that we think, wow, if we could just be like them, they've got it all figured out. Addiction. There's so many ways to become addicted to things that lead to emptiness in this world. Comfort. Think about all the products that are marketed to us, promising to make life easier, to make us happier, to lead us to a fulfilled life. All of the things that we chase in life, knowing that if we can just acquire them or achieve a certain status, we'll finally be happy and at peace. Golden calves are everywhere. So why do we worship God? From creation, God has desired nothing more than for us to experience his kingdom and live in complete harmony with him. Time after time, we fall short and drive separation between us and God. And every single time, God finds a way to continue to work with us, including sending his only son to teach us and bear centuries worth of sin, worth of our sin. See, worship blurs the line, blurs the division between the time we live in now, the already but not yet, and God's kingdom. Overcome by the Holy Spirit, worship connects us to God. Worship keeps our focus on God. So along with the connection to God, it also brings our focus to God in the service that he called us back into, he called us into back in Exodus. We are to revere our God and serve him. This is an actionable service. Remember what that word meant. It meant doing something. It's an actionable service, a doing work kind of service. We are truly called to do God's work, to do work pleasing to God. God really is looking for partners, and he's called us into that through worship. So what are some practical ways to worship? How can we be more intentional with setting aside time to connect with God? So as I was thinking about this, a couple of things came to mind that's, that, really, that really boiled down to two things, and it centers around our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. So the first thing is setting aside time for God. Well, one way to set aside time for God is through spiritual practices. They're a great way to connect deeply and authentically with God, yourself, and with others. I'm a huge fan of spiritual practices in, in my life, and I find that they really keep me centered and connected to God. But I also find that spiritual practices are kind of like going to the gym. You know it's a good idea. You know you feel better when you do it, and you know you're healthier when you do it. But for me, I find a lot of reasons not to. I'm really tired, it's late in the day, maybe I'll get to it tomorrow. But just like putting off exercise, I pay the price when I don't do my spiritual practices. I lose that connection with God. So here are some simple examples of, of spiritual practices that you might want to consider that are some that, uh, that, that I use. So spending time in God's word. Daily devotionals are a great way to do this or, or a reading plan. Um, we have such great tools today. A apps like the Bible app um, on, on your phone make this so easy to do where you can do it by yourself or you can do it in a group. And, and share that experience together. Solitude. We're so busy that sometimes we just need to slow down and be with God. One way to do this is by setting aside time to be with God. Maybe, maybe spend some time in God's creation. Maybe go for a walk in your favorite state park or, um, or, or off, uh, off fishing and just 
be alone with God. Be quiet and just be with God. Journaling. So journaling can be another great way to see what God is doing in your life and stay grounded knowing that he is indeed active in our lives. It's really easy to miss all of the things God is doing, but this is such a great practice that kind of brings you back to, to see what he actually is doing. So some of, the, some of um, Julia and, and my favorite things to journal are, are prayers, both the unanswered prayers and the answered prayers. And it really shows you just how active God is in your life as you look back at that. Gratitude journal is a, is a great way to keep focused on the blessings in our life and not the bumps along the way. So as, as I was discussing this topic with, with uh, Julie, she had a couple of wonderful things to say about spiritual practices and what they mean in her life. She shared, when I stop my spiritual practices, I notice peace isn't there. However, when I'm at peace, it allows me to show others grace and understanding. Sounds a lot like staying connected to God's shalom, doesn't it? Another idea that came to mind was being in community with each other. See, we were never meant to do this alone. Worshiping together on Sundays, what we're doing here this morning is an example of being surrounded by God's people and his love by being supportive of each other and finding love and grace and that connection to God as a community. Participating in small groups. It's another great way to deepen your understanding and relationship with God and maybe learn something about a specific area that he's calling you into partnership through. So what does it look like when we all put this into practice so that we can become a people that worship God, and we become that nation of priests partnering with God. Romans 12 gives us some great guide, a great guide to what worship should look like. So I'm going to read a couple of verses from Romans 12, because Pat told me I couldn't read the whole thing. Um, but I would encourage you to read the rest sometime this week. I did try. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I was doing a little bit of research on Romans 12, and I found uh, on the internet, no surprise, but I, 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 found, um, I found a site that really summarizes these two verses better than I ever could. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a little bit from that. So it says, since we can never repay God for forgiving our sins and including us in his family, there's only one rational response, worship. He describes our reasonable worship as presenting our bodies our entire lives to God as though we are holy and acceptable sacrifices, using up our lives in service to God. This will require transformation, Paul writes. This is good stuff, Andrew, <laughs> really. <laughs> this will require transformation, Paul writes. We must break free from, rather than conforming to, 
the me-first way the human world prefers. We must have our minds renewed to look at the world through God's eyes, to begin to understand what he wants, not what we want. I want to leave you with a vision that God gave me several weeks back when I was preparing this talk. It seems like God likes to talk to me in the middle of the night. This one came to me about 2 a.m. And, um, and as I was laying there, I kind of tried to ignore it, but um, there was no ignoring it. So I finally got up and started writing. Um, but I, 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 think, uh, I think God talks to me in the middle of the night, mostly because that's when he can get a word in. <laughs> so, so the vision was of an Olympic-sized pool where, where the water represents God's kingdom. And I'm on the shallow end. It's safe. My feet can easily touch the bottom. I'm in control. And it's comfortable. But see, that's not where God wants me to be. So God is looking at me, calling me to the deep end. He's calling me to trust him, to worship him, and to serve him. He's pointing out that I have such little trust in his care for me that my hair isn't even wet. He's calling, I'm asking you to follow me, to trust me in what I have for you, to worship me. Get your hair wet. I will provide what you need. Kind of hard to ignore that one. From the beginning, God has invited us to partner with him in creation, to live without separation from his kingdom in complete harmony. The invitation was there in the garden. It was there to the people that were freed from Egypt. And that same invitation is here for us today. God is still looking for partners to worship and serve him, to draw the kingdom closer and blur the lines even more between the already and not yet. We have been chosen to serve, to be an example of God's love to all nations. God is looking for partners and has called us into that through worship to join him in the deep end. So in just a few minutes, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper.